And now, enjoy this free JZO Modcast show. Hey there, this is Ralph Garman, and you are listening to the World of Mythbits. You made an excellent choice. I am your host, Jenna Sparks, and this is episode 154. Welcome to the world of Myth Bits. Uh, it is just me again this week. I hope it's not too startling to only hear my dulcet tones. That's not true. My tones are never really that dulcet. But yeah, it's just me again. Our schedules are a little funky right now. Uh, hopefully I can be nice and entertaining. I have some some thinky thoughts that I, I'm eager to kind of go over into the the space in front of me. Uh, but before we jump into that, we actually finally have housekeeping and scare fairs only mentioned once. <laughs> so we're not uh, still going on and on about that. But guess what's gonna start up soon? PCE. Okay, so let's jump into housekeeping. So first and foremost, uh, now that we have closed the book, on a successful scare fair, plans for PCE 2022 are well underway. See, I told you. <laughs> Over in publishing, the World of Myth Calendars and the World of Myth Anthology 4 are both set to launch in coming weeks. A hearty congratulations to Rebecca Illich, our new Chief Events Officer, to Alan Russo, our Chief Business Officer, and to a Miss Stephanie J. Barty, our new financial officer. They have all worked hard and have earned their new titles. I can attest to all of that information. Yes, uh, they have worked their butts off. In regard to the Open Contract Challenge winners, they will be announced November 24th with the release of issue 102. Uh, of the World of Myth magazine. And over in MythMart, every order will receive a gift valued at $20 or more. I wonder what they're going to get. We are already taking submissions for our Christmas issue of the World of Myth, so get that artwork and those written pieces in. I know the piece I am submitting. Um, it would be really cool if that one was the... Has art ever won? Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. Somebody tell me. All right. Uh, so get get those pieces in now. And if anyone is interested in advertising, please contact Stephanie Barty at theworldofmyth.com as the new cycle will be starting soon. So yay, it feels nice to have housekeeping again. <laughs> Why? Um, I think housekeeping was a very grounding part of everything and when all we were talking about was scare fair it just it it it, oh, it was mentally mentally something else um <laughs> that's a whole other story but I don't know I kind of just wanted to like I said things have been a little discombobulated I think this whole year has been discombobulated and I know I talk about that a lot 
about how um how insane everything feels all the time. You know, I I also know I go on with started the year thinking I may have a return of of Hodgkin's lymphoma and that was a good six months of stress. Well, it was about five months. Uh, five months of stress, too many. Um, then, then scare fair. Oh, let's not forget uh, illustrating a book in the meantime, which is the the missing unicorn in the land of the zombie fairies. In case you forgot, um, and then. What else? What else has this year brought us? And then Scarefare, that was an all-consuming project, you know. And and I guess like the biggest thing that's kind of been on my mind. I've been very lucky. I've been I've been corresponding with a friend who is very familiar with convention life, and they have been so kind and generous. I'm still new, you know. I'm still figuring out like my perspective with conventions and and how to best put myself in that environment and make sure, you know, because because in in essence you are and I think it's the wrong way to look at it because I hate the idea of competition, but you are in essence competing with with everybody around you and it sucks and it's like you're not even competing for sales or anything like that. At least I'm not. You're competing just for attention. You know, you want to make sure that you're visible, that you are, you know, at least seen. You The worst feeling in the world um, is when people just walk straight by and they don't even turn their heads. I appreciate even just a small head turn, a small, you know, just just a subtle, you know, one, once over, fine. I'm happy with that. So, when people just walk right by, you know, there that's a very disappointing. I scare where I had I had hand sanitizer at my table. And that kind of sucked. There are people who just walk by and just not even look at anything and just snatch some hand sanitizer, which I'm fine with, but it was just kind of funny. But like I said, the point is, um, it's 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 an environment that you really have to figure out you know, for yourself. I have another friend who, you know, they, they've had a little bit of trouble kind of finding their rhythm, I guess we could say, their rhythm within the convention circuit and how best to put forward their work and their phenomenal, phenomenal talent. But it unfortunately takes so much time and so much effort to put together a really good-looking table that, again, is a show... Not even a showstopper, just a, a you know, pause. <laughs> pause. A slow pauser. I guess we could put it that way. I'm also learning there's a lot of things, you know, that I'm not a huge fan of in the convention world. And this has nothing to do with anything that's gone on you know, with my own experiences. These are just things that, like, I, I've heard that have me a little nervous. You know, my my biggest goal is to ultimately just travel the country. I mean, it'd be great if it could eventually be the world. Just travel the country for now and go to, you know, from state to state during, uh, well, it's year-round usually. There's, there's never really a slow season anymore. But to do that, you know, that would be so much fun. I, I would love to get, you know, an RV and just just go and and stop and, 
you know, do my do my thing at, you know, Emerald City Comic Con and then go, I don't know, east. I don't know if there's any uh, conventions in what, Idaho? But <laughs> um, I don't know. It's 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 a lot to figure out is I guess all I'm getting out um, onto. It's a lot to figure out and it's not dissuading or anything like that. It's just it's so much. You know, I remember at Scarefair, it's like Scarefair was my fourth, fifth show, I think. I can't remember. Fourth or fifth show. And there's still so many things that like I would I would fix that I'm planning on fixing with my my display. But um like if, if anybody was there and they saw uh, Miss Issa Hagen's table, oh my God, I fell in love with it. So yeah, so you're always learning. You're all and and it's just it's so much work. It's so much work. And there was a point to this, I swear. I just can't necessarily remember how I was getting there. I guess just when it comes to handling yourself as a professional, as an artist, as I mean, who whoever you are, whatever you know, creative path you're on, it's it, it's another aspect that's very difficult, you know, um, thinking about social media and how to orchestrate yourself on social media and what your public presences if there's a persona aspect to it you know I know I am I'm not a, a I'm characteristically different when I'm in a larger group than when I am just at home I'm you know very quiet and relaxed at home I think everybody is but um I'm more reserved I think at home when I'm in public like, even when I was working in retail, like, I got in trouble all the time for talking too long with customers. And part of that is I don't know how to uh, shut people up, I guess, is what one boss told me. <laughs> I don't know how to just end conversations. Um, another is, I don't know, I, I feel like it when you find people who share similar interests, it, conventions in particular not so much retail even though you'd be surprised uh but you know in conventions and stuff and and it's so easy because of course like you get so excited everybody I live with everybody I talk to on the reg they hear it all the time they are watching me watch the content they're listening to me listen to the content you know whatever the case is so they already get the earful the eyeful all of that but getting to talk to people I don't know it's Point is, it's a whole, it's a, it's a different part of my personality, I guess. And uh, again, trying to figure out how to put that forward in a like social media stance and everything like that, because social media is freaking exhausting in and of itself. Again, that's another thing I've been talking about with, with some friends is just managing yourself, managing yourself on social media. And if you follow the World of Mythbits page, you know I am not good at it. I'm really not. I think because there's insecurity, you know, insecurity that what you post is going to garner a negative response, which is silly because, you know, first of all, if somebody's genuinely looking to be super negative over, you know, relatively harmless posts, um, 
obviously the problem is not with the poster, but the postee or the the respondee responder, the 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 person who wants to post something nasty. But still, it's 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 a little intimidating, and I I don't know if that ever is something anybody ever kind of gets over, you know, no matter the standard, no matter the prominence and or popularity, it just it it stays being annoying and hard and ugh. but anyway, so this is all leading into, I guess, more my my personal troubles that I think are relatable, that I think everybody kind of deals with. And I don't mind being open about them because again, social media, I am not here for fakeness. You know, I'm not here for, I don't want to say trivial because trivial sometimes is good and positive for your mental state. But I, I just, I feel like, you know, social media is filled with so many lies and so many uh, disguises that it's really easy to believe that things aren't difficult for people. And I mean, everybody, you, you guys already know that, you know, I'm always fairly candid about my personal, my personal stuff. But um, no, I just, I think um, the biggest, the biggest factors, you know, I, things that I talk about very often, you know, imposter syndrome, insecurities, uh <sighs> exhausting myself, high standards, too high standards that I set for myself. Um, just silly things that ultimately are manageable and ultimately you can deal with and learn how to make them work to your benefit, if you know what I mean. Um, I am a very anxious person. I talk about that also all the time. Um, <laughs> There are times where obviously it's it's not easy to control sometimes. I mean, that's kind of anxiety's whole shtick is it's pretty tricky to control. So one factor that kind of helps me a lot is, again, hyper-focusing. Another thing that I talk about a lot is when I don't focus on the bigger picture, it becomes so much easier to deal with those little bits of the present stress, you know, in particular when I'm drawing, in particular when I'm presenting something. I mean, again, art has been my life for the past several years. It has been the most dominant factor in my life this past year. So it just, I don't know, it, it, there are ways I think where you can use your mental state to your benefit. And I think chemical imbalances aside and, and, you know, needs for medication, I'm not talking about those situations. I'm talking about genuine societal strains that tend to just lean in and whisper at us painfully often. <laughs> Beyond that, Again, this is all leading to a bigger point, and, and I hope we've stayed on this path together. Um, <laughs> I And I, I feel like the next step is the concept of incompetence. That has been a word that has been on my mouth for the past couple months because it's a very um, excellent descriptor for, I don't even want to say people, just for behavior. Um, because, you know, we, we all 
get there at some point in our lives where a task, we are not confident to perform that task, whether it be, again, being in the right mental state, whether it be, um, you know, with, with minimal experience, whether it's, I mean, there's so many circumstances that prove a situation and uh, the behavior of incompetence are present. And again, you can partner that with (laughs) a lot of mental illness and the joys of that, you know, because of course, my biggest worry is how how much of my reality is self-awareness and how much is it, you know, my mental illness is. So it just, I don't know, the idea of incompetence is something I think that you know, it it almost feels offensive because, you know, we I think we we tend to forget that there are genuine situations that completely excuse incompetence. Again, you know, being put into a position that you're not prepared for, et cetera, et cetera, situations like that. And then there are situations where, you know, people people put themselves in the situation to prove their incompetence, if that makes sense. The kind of that fake it till you make it mentality, I guess, is the same uh, as what I'm trying to say, because essentially that's kind of what it is, isn't it? Where, you know, obviously, if you're not learning and actually gaining and acquiring a skill, you're literally just faking it. You know, if you're pretending to do it, you're faking it, right? So that would prove to be somebody who is maliciously incompetent, right? Again, I don't think that is the whole picture of the word incompetence. I think it's just a small portion. But it also just seems like it's an important word, you know, is to think about why, (laughs) why incompetence uh, is such an important word. I don't know how to word that correctly. Um, because again, I feel like there are, there are some reasons, there are some, you know, rational thoughts behind it. But again, when, when there is that maliciousness or the, the deceit or the fakefulness, there's, there's that too. And, um, I know we've all experienced that at some point in our lives. And it hurts. It hurts because, you know, again, when when you're a creative and you're actively seeking to have a, a creative career and you are put face to face with people and they their behavior, again, I don't want to say they are, but their behavior puts them into this image of being incompetent. Even people who maybe maybe don't even look at, you know, people who maybe they have stolen work, you know, they've stolen art, they've uh, plagiarized, they've done, you know, things, they have written on someone else's tales to be within the same vicinity as your goals, and I think that's that's jarring and wounding in so many levels. And again, this is not directed at anybody. These are just things that I've been thinking and, and you know, kind of seeing on social. Again, it comes down to social media. 
I think it's when you see certain people who are getting gaining major popularity doing things that you know, again, like stealing designs, that's unfortunately very common, you know, and I can't, I can't even say, you know, it's not like all my work is original. I'm drawing fan art, you know, (laughs) I love drawing fan art. You know, I'm, I'm always paying homage to, to something or other. At what point do we become aware of the incompetence, you know, and, and one of my biggest things is, is honesty and transparency and just being, open about something you're uncomfortable doing. I think there's there's a difference between challenging yourself and, you know, essentially ruining yourself. And I feel like when it comes to incompetence, it's very easy to ruin yourself because people are, are trusting you and they're relying on you for whatever task you're set up for. You know, if I get a commission and there is a part of that commission that I genuinely do not believe I can do, I'm going to make sure my customer is aware of that. I mean, unless it's something that I I think I can figure out. But if there is a factor that I'm seriously questioning my abilities, I'm going to be honest with that. Because again, why am I going to put that strain on myself? Again, not challenging, genuine, I don't know if I can deliver this product. And I need to make sure that they are aware this is what's going to happen. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's just something to question a little bit more is um, what we expect of ourselves and what we deliver and what we are willing to do, what we can do and what we have yet to learn to do because I don't want to say can't because I think everybody can do most things that they set up to do but sometimes it takes a little bit longer sometimes it's not a priority sometimes it's you know just something you genuinely have to take many 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 years to acquire that skill and that's fine when people are relying on you or expecting something from you that's where the the offense of incompetence comes into play because again if you are dealing with a customer base right you're dealing with people with people who believe in your work who believe in what you're putting out there they don't want to see <laughs> you're not as earnest as you how do i word this that you have promised the world but delivered a grain of sand. You know what I mean? In terms of of competence. (laughs) Uh, Again, using myself as an example because, again, this is about nobody in particular, but I'm not going to promise somebody that I can draw, you know, or paint a freaking 30-foot mural when I've never done that. And you know, they're going to pay me hundreds of thousands of dollars to do it. You know, I may try it, but I'm going to, you know, but I can't, I can't promise them because to me that also really puts me in the position to believe that my customer, my client, my audience, whoever it is, is stupid, is, is, is naive. And, and I'm, I, I'm able to deceive them, you know, and 
that's what I mean with honesty and transparency. It's it's not hard. There's so much effort that goes into maliciousness and deceiving people, you know, that if you spent half that energy, you know, yeah, it may take a little bit longer to achieve your goal, but it's going to get you there and it's not going to hurt people. And you're, you know, I'm going off on a tangent now, I think. This is what happens when Joe's not here to, to, to stare me down. <laughs> Tell me I'm getting off track. Uh, I think there are people, the people who, who genuinely question their competence are the ones who are in positions to not have to question it versus the people who tend to never question it are the ones who probably should start questioning it. And again, don't let this be mistaken for challenges, for giving yourself new opportunities or, you know, when Dave asked me to illustrate for Unicorn, I had never illustrated a book, uh, <laughs> but he believed in me and I also know him. So I'm fairly certain, you know, if I went to him and I was like, I do not believe that I I have it in me to illustrate whether it was the whole book or this particular scene, I don't. I, I genuinely don't. I think, you know, that is a little bit better. I've been watching. I've been coerced. No, I actually wanted to. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm 30 years old. When I grew up watching, oddly enough, Speed Racer. Speed Racer was my, one of my favorite shows when I was a kid. Sailor Moon. All that, all that good stuff. Uh, the early 90s mainstream anime. Never got into Pokemon or Digimon or anything like that. Uh, I think that came a little bit after... I don't know, because I remember actually... I remember a kid I liked gave me a Charmander card in like third or fourth grade. Anyway, I digress. So anyway... With the Cowboy Bebop live action show premiering on the 19th of this month, November, I really, really, I knew I'd done myself a disservice, you know, like calling myself a nerd, calling myself a fan of, of very nerdy media. And I've never seen Cowboy Bebop like that. You know, I, I'm aware, I'm, I'm aware of the, the again, using this word, the deceit of it all. Uh, and Joe is a huge Cowboy Bebop fan. And, you know, I remember that was kind of like one of his, you know, when we first met and started talking, it was, you know, he was into Cowboy Bebop. And he had mentioned he liked the Beatles, and I took it as he was simply obsessed with the Beatles, but I don't think that's the case. <laughs> that was the case. Uh, and I was I was Harry Potter and Eli Roth. Uh, so not much has changed in the past decade, if I am being completely honest. Uh, so anyway, we've been watching Cowboy Bebop, and we're about halfway through the series. And I'm, you know, it's funny because, you know, John Cho, when he was talking about taking on the role of Spike, he said he could he didn't think he could do the role justice had he been younger. Uh, but he he believed he couldn't play the role of Spike, who is apparently like 26 years old, you know, when when he was that age. 
He couldn't have done it justice. Yeah, he's 49 years old. And it's funny because I don't think I could have respected Cowboy Bebop when I was younger. I just, I don't know, like I had a, a chip on my shoulder. Honestly, up until recently, not necessarily with anime or anything like that. I I think there was just, there was envy. <laughs> there was, and again, I, I'm not hugely into science fiction, so it didn't appeal to me. But then I started delving into art and <laughs> delving into all of that. And suddenly, you know, manga and anime and all of that kind of took on a different light. And then I started realizing that I was a huge idiot in limiting myself and not giving me the chance, giving myself the chance to integrate anime back into my, my, uh, life <laughs> from when I was a kid up until I was an adult. So point is, I, I've been enjoying Cowboy Bebop very much. Uh, and I really like it. And I'm very excited for the live action remake. It sounds like, you know, Cowboy Bebop was, you know, from from the late 90s. And things have changed <laughs> drastically. It's kind of like with Neil Gaiman and Good Omens. And Good Omens, you know, originally written by he, by he and Terry <laughs> Pratchett. You know, it, it, it was a little bit of its time. But... You know, when when it came time to do the show and everything, Neil Gaiman really wanted to make sure that it was done right. And he was very much involved, if not didn't do the whole right writing for the script. I'm not sure on that. But we know he was like 99% involved in everything, you know. And I think that makes a huge difference in the modernization of things because again things age they you know jokes don't always land today that landed back then so hopefully because pretty much after like we hit the the middle of the season I made Joe uh watch the trailer with me again because I'm like okay I want to catch all the things that I didn't notice at the beginning when I didn't know anything and so that's been that's been a lot of fun it's a nice way to relax is what it is. And I guess here I am just uh, admitting that I failed myself in getting into the anime at too late a point, not too late, but at a very late point in my life. But I guess uh, later is better than never, right? I'm also very excited because the naughty cut of Krampus from 2015 is being released on December 7th. And Krampus is one of my favorite movies. Um, it's definitely like a, a, a staple holiday season film for me. And I love, oh my gosh, I could go on for days, for months probably, about how much I love uh, Wella's work, Wella the Workshop. Uh their work on creating not just Krampus, but the elf, every every little monster that you get to see throughout that film. I that's my just bread and butter right there. Truly, 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 like the thing that just makes me scream with joy. Um, I drew. I actually did a Krampus piece last year. 
I don't know if that's a piece. I love how it came out. Don't get me wrong. And it was, oh, it was so much work. That piece took me forever. But I feel like, you know, I'll do a piece. And a lot of times I'm like, yes, I feel very happy about this. I am very content with how this came out. Even when I drew, I did recently, I drew Casey, Drew Barrymore's character from Scream. And the face, everything was the easy, was easy. You know what I mean? Until I got to the cursed sweater, that evil, evil sweater. I don't know what it was. There was something about that dang sweater that my brain just blocked how to do it. I could not figure it out. I went, <laughs> when I, did, I was doing a little bit of gro- grocery shopping at Super Target, because uh, I like to overpay for my groceries, and I went into the, the clothing department, and I actually just sat there taking pictures of different woven fabrics to see, to get a reference, and I still could not grasp it. Anyway, after it was, it was, it was a couple weeks, I think it was a couple weeks it took me, uh, I managed to, to put something together and I hated it at first. Now I look at it and I'm like, wow, I actually did that. You know, it's, it's not the greatest, but I love how it came out, you know? And it's, it's, you know, what's happening. You can tell it's not that it's good enough or anything. It's just, it's, it's, I'm too hypercritical sometimes. Anyway, when it comes to the Krampus piece, I I love it. I love how it came out. Joe cut out a beautiful plaque uh, that that is cut to shape, so Krampus fits right on it perfectly. And he's what is he? He's between like seventeen and twenty inches tall. He's he's a fairly big boy, and it's just his, his head. I just I feel like there's no it's there's no way I could do that piece justice. For how beautiful the design for Krampus was, you know, is I did the the fawn from Pan's Labyrinth a few years ago, and that's another one. It's I love how it came out. Like I'm so proud of it to this day. That's probably one of my favorite pieces I've ever done. But <laughs> I will watch Pan's Labyrinth today, and I will still you know, fantasize about all the ways I could redo it. Like, I just, I, I, I'm really my, my own worst enemy. Uh, anyway, so that's, that's been my life. That's been my life for the past week. Joe's been working. I've been working on and off. I've been kind of taking a little bit of a work break just after Scarefare. I'm still exhausted. I, I don't know if it'll end. I'm still pooped. We're catching up and I've got I can't remember if I brought it up last week or not I'm doing comic-con revolution in December then PCE in February midsummer scream in the summer so I don't know I'm just trying not to overwork myself is what I'm getting at because again I wanted to write a story for November's issue I may push to get one done for the Christmas issue uh but again I keep having to push it back so yeah, it's just, uh, I don't know. Everything f- still feels just oddly out of place. It feels even more out of place now that I'm just talking to myself. Hopefully you have enjoyed my rambling though and made sense of all the things I have brought up. And again, 
you know, I, 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 I don't want to say that any one person is incompetent. I want to, you know, repeat that it, it's, it's also a behavior. But yeah, just uh, be honest. Be honest about your your abilities, your capabilities, and how you would like to push and challenge yourself. But if that is going to be the causation of screwing someone over, maybe back out, you know? <laughs> You've stuck with me. You've stuck with me this long. We'll try to think of something very interesting to talk about other than just Jenna learning about Cowboy Bebop's awesomeness and uh, <laughs> and repeating the word incompetence over, 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 and over again. All right. So until next time, you can find us at theworldofmyth.com on Facebook and Twitter at the World of Myth Bits Podcast and the World of Myth Magazine and on Instagram at the World of Myth Bits. I swear I'm going to update it. I have so many things saved on my phone that I'm going to up, like, I keep telling myself I'm going to update this to the Instagram and then I don't. <sighs> I hope you all had a lovely week. So until next time.